Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for thunder and lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Thursday morning. We are so glad that you have joined us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us across the world. We want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. I assume you hit Strange Brew up today. I actually didn't today. It's one of the few days I didn't. I made my coffee there at the house, and it's just not the same. Why would you do such a thing? I Some days you just get busy, man. The kids get down for nap, and it's just got to turn on the old Keurig and take what you got, and that's what I did today. So it, it it's one of those deals, though, where... Why don't you buy some Strange Brew coffee? Well, I could. and uh, They need to make some... Could they do that? Could, do Strange Brew Keurig uh, pods? That's a million well, dollar did, idea. If they did, I'm buying. Million dollar idea. At one time, um, I'm sure you could get it other places in Strange Brew, but they make Keurig cups, K cups, however you want to say it, that you can actually, I think, put coffee in. Like mm-hmm. so, it's kind of put yeah, whatever coffee you like in the K cup, and I see then, where you, got, then yeah. you wash the K. It's like a reusable K cup. Um, so I think that's a possibility, maybe, but I've just never looked that much into it because I just go to Strange Brew most every day. Smart man. Smart man. And that's That should be you guys, too. Make sure you're heading over to Strange Brew Coffee House every day <laughs> and taking care of that business and getting over there. And like I said, uh, Churning Spoon should be opening up hopefully very soon. I, I don't know. It's even like a downturn and everything, but I'll, I want my ice cream. I may just have to tell Shane, like, you just have to bring me some ice cream. Well, they're selling the pints, right? That's not what I want. I want a Sunday. I get a pint it. Of ice cream. I get it, but can't you just make no. new? No, I'm going. I want a Sunday. I want a Sunday. Sorry, I just felt like being a six-year-old there for a second. Aren't we all at this point of the pandemic and things just just a bunch of six-year-olds like just ready to more? Some of us more than others. No question about that. And you can see so you can see their Twitter highlights if you if you watch on the weekends. It's exhausting. Twenty twenty. With everything that's happening, is just mentally and physically and with no ice cream, emotionally exhausting. I need some relief, Brian. I, I, I got none for you, other than this podcast. If they cancel football, just... I don't want to talk about that. I'm, we said we were not going to talk about that stuff. We were going to commit to moving forward. It's true. So you leave that negativity behind. It's true. And you'll leave negativity I'd behind. Like to, I'd like to apologize to you all. You should. When you go to Strange Brew Coffee House, our good friends over at College Corner want you to remember to check them out uh, and check out how you can save money and check out how you can make money with it with them right now. Because all you've got to do is search for gift card at collegecornerstore.com and then boom, you've saved thirty percent off that purchase. So you can buy a one hundred dollar gift card for seventy bucks. That is a great deal. 
You know you need to get some new maroon and white stuff. Are you are you were you when you were in the fan mode? Were you a guy who like every year new polo, new? Oh, new... you're darn right. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, with like now with the Braves, oh, I, I usually buy their like workout gear. If every College year. Corner Store was BravesCornerStore.com, Joel Coleman would have bought ten thousand dollars worth of gift cards and and only spent seven thousand dollars. I would love to actually. Let me take that back. I probably do not want to know the amount of money. I have spent on the Atlanta Braves in my life. It is an ungodly amount, I'm sure. Between jerseys, hats, t-shirts, tickets, especially if you start factoring in the gas mileage over there and the hotels that, that we've stayed in and the food that, it, man, there's no telling how much money I've spent on that organization. They don't always love me back, but I love them. That, that's nothing wrong with that. That said, College Corner Store, they love you right now. Make sure you're going to go to collegecornerstore.com and get yourself a new gift card and get yourself some new MSU gear. Our good friends over at Advantage Business Systems want to let you know that, hey, now's the time. Now's the time to get things streamlined and and moving the right way at your business. This is the time to do it. So whatever you're looking for in terms of solutions for office management, for office supplies, for office uh, you know software and hardware for your computer systems, they've got the answers for that. So... You should give them a call today. That's at 844-833-6245. Or you can visit them online at absms.com and see what 45 years of business here in the Magnolia State can do for you. Our good friends at Advantage Business Systems help your business do business. They've been helping your business do business for 10 years longer than I've even existed. That's that's right. Three years longer than you've existed, right? For, no, like no, no. I am older than Advantage Business Systems. That's right. That's right. They, they started in 1976. 40, okay, okay. Right about the time you came into this world, somewhere in there. Right. Yeah. There you go. You got to listen to our ad reads, folks, because you just you never, never know, know what you're going to go. catch. We're not canned, you know. We're, no, not, we're not taping we're, this mess. No, no, no. This is all fresh. You're darn right. All right. All right. So, what we're going to talk about, we got our SEC preview in the second half of the show. We'll talk to uh, Bob Redman from uh, the Swamp 24 7 about the Florida Gators. But. <clears throat> Before that, we have we have been talking about some of the new faces at MSU, and obviously KJ Costello and Tyrell Shavers—they're sort of at the top of that list, right? But we've talked a good bit about Malik Heath. I feel uh, we've talked a good bit about Tyrus Wheat, and then the role he's going to play. But there are some other guys, upperclassmen, JUCOs, and another transfer. I feel—I mean—they're they're going to play big roles this year. I think at least two of them will start. I think the other two guys are going to play big roles. Let's we'll start on the uh, the offensive side of the ball. And it, it splits up nicely. There's two on each side. And Caleb Ducking, who was a guy that you know we were talking about last year when, when he committed and when he signed with Mississippi State in the Moorhead offense, they needed another guy, a big vertical threat. And he provides that, obviously. 6'5", yeah. 195. Now, here's a guy, with, you talk about untapped potential. We don't really know what the ceiling is for him because he played at Holmes and they threw the ball you know, like, like it was a manhole cover. But again, you know, when you look at what state's going to want to do from a receiver standpoint, if you take Kylan Hill out of the mix, they have they need to find seven guys, maybe eight guys who are going to catch thirty or more passes. You have to think Ducking is going to be one of those guys. Yeah, I don't want to take anything away from Caleb Ducking, but anybody with the letters W R beside their name on the roster, yeah, in my back of my mind, I'm thinking they got a huge opportunity. 
just because of the amount of passes that are going to be thrown, they're going to try pretty much everybody, I would think. You know? I, I kind of think if they put you out there, we called you a receiver, mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to have a chance to catch double-digit balls. the butt body position. Yeah. I can shield off defenders, catch those smash routes. That's a bad idea. How come you just don't get some humongous guy to go play wide receiver and just let him, there's, you know? There's, two, there's three reasons for that, probably. Uh, one, and he's cutting back to the ball, he's probably going to just offensively <laughs> pass interfere. Two, he's probably going to trip over his own two feet because big guys aren't going to be the most coordinated. And then three, and probably the most important thing, if he had hands, he would not be playing on the, the if he had hands and speed, he would be playing all rod receiver anyway. Can you imagine a six foot eight, three hundred pound guy that ran four six? My God, they'd be throwing deep to him every play. Oh uh, no! But back to ducking, man. He's got all of the physical ability. It looks like. Yeah. Um, you're gonna get all the opportunity in this offense. Uh, I'm gonna be shocked if you don't see a guy like ducking. And it may not be ducking, but some of these guys that are first year guys. Mm-hmm. You best believe they're going to have humongous statistics, right? Of, of the of the guys in this this class, the receivers, him, uh, Malik Heath, uh, Tulu Griffin. You know, I, I don't know where Jaden Wally is going to end up. Yeah, um, Rufus, Rufus, yeah, obviously Rufus Harvey. Uh, they're going to catch passes. I mean, again, I can't stress these things enough. Take Colin Hill out of the mix. And you still have to find seven to eight more guys to catch thirty or more passes. That's what that's what this offense is going to entail. So Ducking has a great chance, and he provides a skill set that only Osiris Mitchell has in terms of height. Yeah, you know, for the for the big vertical routes, for let's just throw it up in the end well, zone. Well, Sha- Shavers is pretty big too. Right? Oh, Shavers, yeah. yeah. I forget that he's here. I haven't met him yet. Yeah. Um, but but now you got hey now you've got something there. You've got three receivers six five or better. You know, think about a couple years ago. When you were, you know, your number two receiver is Donald Gray at five foot nine. Yeah, you know, now, now you've got, you've got, and you know, and Heath has got some size. He's six foot two. Yeah. So you, you you've got some some pieces to work with that make it look like a real receiving yeah. core. How tall was Bear? Bear he was, was about six, six five. four, six five, six five. Yeah. 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 That, that's something. Like you said, states kind of lack that, and and now you, I feel like state now has a a variety of skill sets. You know, you have. Now three or four guys that are have that height, you know. You got the speedsters. I, I feel like that they're. I mean, you got the guys that played tight end a little ago, a year ago. You know, Spivey and Cumbest and mm-hmm. just some big dudes. Yeah, I, I feel like there's all kind of skill sets to do whatever Mike Leach wants to do with this version of the air raid. So right. Let's once again. Let's. I, I I love looking at these stats. In case you didn't know, I love looking yeah, at the watching. I've, the I've noticed. So let's I, take I like at again. Let's take. Uh, uh, Kylan Hill out, right? And you look at last year and Max Borg, he had 86 catches. So let's just take that right off the board, right? So 85, 78, 58, 54, 47, 43. Then the next guy was 19. So that's one, two, three, four, five. That's six more guys. But I'm going to say seven. So if I tell you that, you know, starting at 85 and working our way down, that it's Heath, Mitchell, <sighs> Somebody's got to play in the slot. I think it's going to be Tulu Griffin. Griffin, Austin Williams, uh, Rufus Harvey at 47, and then Caleb Ducking at 43. I mean, are you really that surprised that Caleb Ducking had 43 catches in this offense? I'd have been amazed no, under the Morehead offense. I'm not surprised, offense. but 
I mean, I, I'm wondering where like Javante Payton. Is I mean, yeah, I'm leaving guys out. Yeah, but yeah. There's just so many options now. That that's the only thing that I would say with ducking is mm-hmm. that there are. Well, even, and, and with even some guys you don't guy know what you caught got. 19 passes, which would have been good for what fourth on the team this year. Yeah. <laughs> it's still crazy. It's silly. Think. It really is silly. These numbers. So, so yeah, I think Caleb Ducking's a guy. He's going to catch twenty to thirty passes this year for Mississippi State. Some of these guys, you know, you can play in four games or less and still redshirt. There's going to be some dude that redshirts and has like twenty catches for. It's very <laughs> two hundred yards. Rufus Harvey could be a guy who catches like thirty-five passes for four hundred yards <laughs> and redshirts and redshirts. I mean, it's, it's possible that they just feed him the ball in those those four games or something like that. I don't know. Possible. Uh, and then, you know, a guy that when he transferred, we mentioned him, but we haven't really talked much about uh, Scott Lashley. And now that Stuart Reese has decided to, you know, make his transfer and he's headed down to Florida, Lashley is sort of penciled into that right guard spot now. And, you know, with Lashley, it's always going to be what might have been if he had just come to Mississippi State from day one. He probably would have been a, a three-year starter. Because State needed guys on the line. He would have been the most highly recruited guy on that offensive line. Um, but he decided to go to Alabama. Hey, he got a national championship ring out of it. I don't, I don't think there's any regrets for him. But now is his time to shine and show that he can, he can play at the next level. What do you expect from Scott Lashley this year? Because it, it, there's, there's two ways of looking at it. It's like, well, he was on the bench at Alabama, so how good can he be? But it's also, well, he was on the bench at Alabama behind a bunch of four- and five-star guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really – I'm curious to see – if Lashley indeed ends up at guard. Um, you know, I talked to Mason Miller a week or so ago, and you can find part one and two of that interview on cowbellcorner.com. That's cowbellcorner.com. Dot com! <laughs> uh, but he was talking about Scott Lashley, and something that stood out to me in thinking about Lashley was whenever we were talking about centers, he didn't really mention LaQuinston Sharp. And I said, so is Sharp not in that center mix or whatever? And he said, well, maybe, but he played so well at guard a year ago. Mm-hmm. So that just since I've talked to him, it has kind of gotten me thinking a little bit. Well, could Sharp maybe play guard? Maybe Cole Smith or somebody play center? And then you got Lashley at tackle, and then Greg Island's just kind of a, the swing guy. a swing guy. Yeah, Cole Smith's a guy we haven't talked about. Another new face. You know, he's sort of gotten lost. Not lost in the shuffle with the team, but lost in the shuffle yeah. with us just because we haven't – he's been here for a yeah. year and we've never seen him. And, and – Mason Miller also mentioned like James Jackson, a guy that I guess is you know swapping sides. He, he mentioned James Jackson as a center candidate. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, so Good if to have depth, if Sharp is not playing center, and he he praised his work at guard, and he ends up, and I guess he could be a backup guard. I mean, I'm not saying that Sharp's definitely going to start at guard or something, but I just think that there's a whole lot of places that these guys could end up. I, I think you and I have talked. And I think there's been a lot of thought that Scott Lashley got a good chance to maybe slide inside, start at guard, and Greg Island start at tackle. Mm-hmm. But you may end up with a scenario where maybe Lashley and Charles Cross are your tackles, Sharp and Parker are your guards, and I don't know, James Jackson, Cole Smith, somebody at center. I, I, That's interesting though, because you know as it sit here, as we sit here today, if you and I were doing the depth chart up, it would definitely be Sharp at center, and. Uh, Lashley at guard, but we don't see we don't see yeah. the same things. And, and I had to bring up Sharp as yeah. center. I'm like, is he not? Is he in that mix yeah. kind of deal? So, but granted, we're saying all of this mm-hmm. with no spring ball. Yeah, we haven't seen anything. Um, I mean, they haven't really even seen these guys, other than maybe bumping into them in the parking lot or something. For the most part, you know, it's there's just so much, so much unknown. 
other than you I mean you're watching film of what they've done in the past and but regardless scott lashley is going to play a lot somewhere i mean he's a key piece of this line and him coming in you know he came in before Stuart reese ended up going to florida yeah uh him being here now is a humongous benefit. It was it was yeah. good before. It was good. Now it's, it's now it's almost necessary. Yeah. If he hadn't have been here, you would have probably had needed to go out and really get a JUCO offensive lineman to come in. Well, and, then, and, it, and he, I think this is a better deal for Mississippi. Well, if he hadn't, then what I said with, uh, I mean, maybe you end up with Island at tackle, and maybe Sharp does play guard in that instance, and like you just don't have the other options. Uh, but man, what a fantastic option to have a, yeah. a guy that's sitting there the, i don't think you can uh underrepresent how beneficial it may have been for him to be in the bama strength program either for the yeah. last three years i mean it, yeah i mean he, he they, should they, be, they don't build a bunch of pansies over there you know he should be ready to go from day one and so if he's not that's that that i don't know what to tell you but if he, he should be you know from a physical standpoint completely ready to, to play at this level. He should understand how to play and how to win at this level. So The question big, big for, for him State. and for all these guys is how how much in shape are they, you know, after three, four months of quarantine and you, you yeah. have virtual yeah. whatever. Like, are they, I, I'm so intrigued to see are, are these teams. But I guess it's something everybody's, everybody's dealing, dealing with. with so yeah. you're, everybody's on the same Except page. Except for Alabama. They, were, they said, we, if, you don't, if you come in out of shape, we will shoot you in the kneecap. <laughs> <laughs> and, and don't think and Saban was like don't think a single judge in this state would convict me <laughs> so uh, so offensively those are the two guys defensively my focus is on Jordan Davis and, and Trey Lawson who I think you know you really you you need them obviously different positions but you need to, them to be what Montez Sweat and Jonathan Abram were out of that Juco class that came in for this for the 17 season you need them to be stars. Um, we mentioned Tyrus Weed already. He can be, you know, you need him to be a star, and I get that. But in this system that's going to be aggressive, you want to have these guys. These guys are hybrids. You know, they can play defensive end or they can play outside as a linebacker. You can sort of move them in and around, and you're going to need that versatility. Both of these guys are going to be very, very key to what Zach Arnett does uh, in 2020. I don't think there's any doubt. Um Davis intrigues me, mm-hmm. I think, a lot because highly recruited. Yeah, highly recruited guy, a dude that you could just see coming in immediately and making a huge impact. And when you think about what this team lost defensively, and uh, somebody's going to have to come in and step up. And to me, this entire Jordan Davis is the guy whose name I just feel like I've heard the most. And I don't know. Since he since since he signed, it just seems like the expectations for him has been they've been really high. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're the number one JUCO player or number two JUCO player in the country, and you were committed to Alabama and Tennessee before you decided on Mississippi State, I mean, I feel like those expectations are justified. Yeah. And sort of the same thing with Trey Lawson, who fits the mold of Abram and Sweat, and that he was at a major college program. He's at Florida State, highly recruited out of high school, uh, and then had to you know had some, ran into some trouble. And then goes to JUCO and turns it around. And so, you know, I, I, in my brain, I see him and I see sort of a Montez Sweat kind of guy. Yeah. A, a long, lanky pass rusher, who could, but who could, you know, who's got some athleticism, who has the same sort of pedigree 
that Montez. I mean, they're, they're really the, sort of the same guy. They both went are both from Georgia originally. They both went to a, a you know big school out of state. They both end up at a Mississippi Junior College, and now they end up at Mississippi State. Now, if Lawson is half as good as Sweat, <laughs> you got something. I mean, you got a really good player. Yeah. If, if he what well, Sweat have like ten and a half, almost twelve sacks, maybe as as a junior, if you get six. You feel really good about what you got in Trey Lawson. Anything over that is just gravy. I feel I, I, I hate you know I don't know that he's listening obviously, but I hate to put that kind of expectation on a player. But it seems fair, doesn't it? Well, kind of like you said, if he if he does that, like if you told me today that he comes in and you know six to eight sacks kind of deal, I just, I feel a lot better about the any questions you would have about this defense kind of thing if he's that kind of player. And then all of a sudden, I'm thinking that maybe you are on that high end. Maybe you are having an 8-9 win year. Because I, you just feel like Mike Leach's offense is going to click because it's always clicked. Right. And, oh, yeah. State's, state's season is decided by its defense. Yes. No question. And so if you told me that these guys, not just Trey Lawson, but um, Jordan Davis, you fill in your, your defensive you know, stars all you want to. If you told me they came in and had big years mm. – I'm I'm at eight nine wins. Yeah, I mean, it's just so tough to count on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you you know in, in seventeen I'm trying to think back to that seventeen defense. You know you had Simmons and you knew what you sort of had there. Um, you had McLaurin back there who you felt pretty good about. You had Cam Dantzler who you felt pretty good about. Um, obviously you had uh, Leo Lewis. You know coming coming into that season, Leo Lewis was probably the second best considered the second best player on the defense. He was coming off a, a freshman All SEC campaign. You're like, oh wow, he's gonna be right there behind Simmons. He should be great. Yeah. And you know you know Lewis obviously didn't have the the same success after his freshman year. You know this year, you know who's the best player on the defense? Errol Thompson. He's definitely got the yeah. and, the most. And then Pickering name. is there. So that's probably he's probably number two. And so, you know, you weren't – I think, you know, we weren't really counting – they were counting on them to start. Like, you knew those guys were going to have to play a role. I don't think anybody was counting on them to become superstars. And that's what Sweat automatically was. Abram automatically was. And then Chauncey Rivers was going to start that year. Uh, ended up being a good player. Brian Cole ended up being a good player. Jaquarius Landrews was a good player. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the fact that they were stars, Sweat and Abram specifically – Elevated that team to you know to more than it was, but that team was sort of limited offensively at the same time. This team should not be limited offensively. Yeah, they should be scoring points. That's another thing to remember. This defense doesn't have to be like a top ten defense. It, it, <laughs> it's just got a hold. Somebody, its own somebody a sent bit. us. I remember a few a few months ago they said somebody sent us a uh, a Rumblings. Rumblings question, and it was something along the lines of if. Kylan Hill has two thousand all-purpose yards, and the defense is top thirty. What do you think? I was like, I think they're gonna <laughs> nine be, or ten wins. I think they're gonna be eleven and one. Yeah. I mean, at the top. If this is a top thirty defense, this is team is gonna be hell on wheels because they're gonna score points. It's 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 you know it's all about how if they're a top fifty defense. Okay, top fifty defense, they're probably seven to eight wins. Top hundred defense, well, they probably can yeah. score enough to score, get to a bowl game. But then beyond yeah. that, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. A top thirty defense is I mean, with a, a Mike Leach offense and a top thirty defense is going to compete for the SEC West Championship. Isn't it amazing how much confidence we just have that State's going to score despite their per- like if State's offense doesn't work? Yeah, that is a tremendous indictment on the personnel. I think more so than than the yeah, coaching. Yeah, it, it absolutely it absolutely is. It's a it's an indictment of Moorhead and Mullen, who and the kind of players they recruited. Yeah, because if this team with KJ Costello, 
And, you know, Kylan Hill's going to get his. But if you're so bad at receiver that you just can't score, then that's on that's on those guys. Yeah, because Leach is pretty much 18 for 18 yeah. when it comes to his offense. He's never been bad offensively. Now, he's been really bad defensively in the yeah, past. Yeah, the, the only caveat there is this is his first rodeo at going against SEC defenses all the time or whatever. As a head coach. As a head coach, yeah. yeah. So maybe you could make that case that, well, see, Leach has never run this offense as right. a head coach against no, You're right. <clears throat> but I still think, by and large, if State's offense isn't successful, it's an indictment on the personnel. I agree with that. I agree with that. But defensively, like I said, if they can just be in the – what did I say last year about the offense? Like If they can just be in the top half of the SEC, they should be pretty good. Because I thought the defense would be better than it was. Yeah. I wasn't counting on Willie Gay and all those guys being suspended. Same thing sort of here. If the defense is just in the top half of the SEC, if this is the seventh best defense in the SEC, you're going to win eight games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I, I just don't have any doubt about that. Yeah. I'm, I think you and even with as bad as you are, uh, if you're not good at receiver, between Costello and Hill, you have enough to be decent offensively. Do you feel like this is a top half defense in the league? Because I don't know. There's, there's too many. There's so many questions. They got, the, they got, they got pieces. You know, I mean, right now, if you, I mean, Errol Thompson, Nathan Pickering, Kobe Jones, Marquis Spencer, uh, Marcus Murphy, I mean, uh, the JUCO guys that we've mentioned, Emerson uh, Williams, Martin those, Emerson, those guys have grown top, up a year. Yeah, they, they can be a top half. I mean, look at the SEC right now. You know, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Auburn are going to have good defenses. So there's four. But Auburn uh, lost a ton. Auburn did lose a ton, but they recruit well. Kentucky, we talked to John Hale. They expect that to be a good defense. So there's five. So look what's left, right? Florida's usually Florida will be good defensively. Really good, yeah. yeah, they'll be good. So that's six. So I got one more spot, right, to decide between Vandy, Arkansas, Ole Miss, State, uh, A&M. A&M. A&M could get up there. Uh, Missouri, Tennessee, and that's it, right? Yeah. So what, can you be one of those seven? I think you so. could be. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not going to be Arkansas and Vanderbilt. Tennessee with Jeremy Pruitt and the, should be that, good. That, that kind of makes you think maybe they would have the should inside be good, should track, be good. But, but I mean, they have a tough schedule. They play Alabama yeah. and Oklahoma this year. Uh, but I mean, like I said, you can even narrow it. Like I said, narrow it down even further. It's not going to be Tennessee. I'm sorry, it's not going to be Vanderbilt. It's not going to be Arkansas. It's not going to be Ole Miss. So are you, can you be the best out of South? I don't think it's going to be South Carolina. So take them out. So can you be the best defense out of Missouri, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Tennessee, and Mississippi State? Can you be the best defense out of that group? Yeah. Well, you could. You could. I don't know. That, I'm not saying that you will. But I'm you saying could. that you could. Yeah. So. No. Nobody would be shocked if you were. Right. <laughs> so. All right. Let's uh, let's move let's move on over to our SEC preview. Brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. I got a text from them today. They want to let you know. It doesn't matter how late in the day you're trying to figure out what your cookout problems are, cookout solutions are on July 4th. They're going to be open for you, so you can go by and pick up some stuff, and they could pick up some good stuff because the Wagyu beef, full blooded Wagyu beef, is back on the shelves there. So brisket, steaks, burgers, they've got it all. This high, high-end meat, you've got to, I have, I have tasted it, and it is delicious. It just tastes good. Oh, it, this tastes better than good. <laughs> this is worth taking a look at. So, But even if you don't want to do that, they've got plenty of other great stuff on the shelf. Plenty of steaks, plenty of, of, of burgers, plenty of cuts of beef, cuts of pork. Again, give them a call at 662-418-2021 and tell them what you're looking for. This food truck, is it, is it cook, kicking yet? It's supposed to be up and running this weekend as far as I know. Ooh, on the 4th? Yeah. So you got that. It's like, yeah, you don't even have to do the cooking. You can just go get something from the from the food truck, or if you want to do it yourself. 
You want to go the old-fashioned old fashioned, red-blooded American way. If you're, if you're, if you're Brian Haydad, you can just cook it yourself. If you're Joel Coleman, you just pull up, and exactly. they've already cooked it for you. Are you a Haydad or a Coleman? Which yeah. way do you want to go? Although, I, I don't know what I'm going to do this weekend because I'm going to my mom's, yeah. and she doesn't own a grill. So, I'll figure something out. Just tie one to the top of your... <laughs> I asked my wife, I was like, can we can we transport that grill? She was like, well, you can transport anything if you have a big enough truck, but we don't. It's <laughs> like, all right. And then I said, well, could, and she's like, you're not buying a grill. I was like, you can get a grill for like 50 bucks. She's like, you can't get that grill. For, I said, like, no, no, no. You can get a grill for like 50 bucks. I didn't say anything about my grill. So well, that may be a good investment. Just leave it with your... That's what I was thinking. Just yeah. leave it with my mom. She'd find a way to light the house on fire on there. I don't know. I was just trying to do something. <laughs> that, that meat you brought, Brian, was just so good. So I tried good. to make it myself. I called them and they shipped it to me. It was great. <laughs> so, well, you can be getting it this weekend. So, yeah, July 4th, Welcome Home Beef will be open. So, why don't you swing by? Nothing spells America like B E E F. We're not even doing the regular tagline. We're ending with that. That's how we end that, that, that read right there. <laughs> Boom. Like it. All right, let's get to our interview, and then we'll come back and do our predictions. We're talking Florida football with Hollywood Bob. Been covering the Gators for a long, long time. Bob Redman from 24-7 Sports. Joining us now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, covering the Florida Gators for 24-7 Sports, Bob Redman. Better known down there, I hear, as Hollywood Bob. Is that accurate? Uh, that is uh, what uh, the, the one staff that I used to work for uh, on the on uh, at Florida used to call me uh, Hollywood Bob, and that when I entered the internet industry, that's what I I went by, and uh, it it uh, it became Gator Bob when uh, when Urban Meyer took over. So kind of either one, I go by either one, but yeah. Our friend Steve Robertson uh, gave me that piece of information, so that's why mm-hmm. I, I decided to go with that. Florida, you know. Interesting situation. When we think about Dan Mullen here at Mississippi State, year three was the year they took a step back. It seems like year three at Florida, they're going to take a step forward. Just you know, looking at this program from from a thousand you know feet in the sky, this program are they, are they poised now to sort of overtake Georgia, or do you think they still have a step to go? Yeah, I think this is a good year for it, and I think uh, uh, the big thing there is quarterback position. You know, Georgia did bring in a talented guy. Um, who's getting a lot of hype, um, and a lot of people are saying that Jamie Newman at Georgia is going to be the best quarterback in the SEC, but Kyle Trask is actually the top-rated quarterback uh, as far as stat- statistics from last year uh, returning in the SEC. So, you know, he's got his quarterback. Um, he's got a second quarterback that knows what he's doing and, and really likes uh, that, too. I, I, I think so much of college football revolves around the quarterback. We saw that last year with LSU and Joe Burrow. Um, I just think it's such a big deal, um, and, and that's a big thing. I, and I think, you know, they've really tamed the uh, the transfer portal well here. I mean, they've really done it at a high level, and that's been big. And I think it'll play div- pay dividends again this year. Let's talk a little bit more about Trask because, as you mentioned, one of the top returning quarterbacks uh, was first, was voted first team All SEC in a, in a poll that came out today. Uh, from AL.com, done by the uh, sports SIDs of the league. His story was an interesting one a, a season ago, sort of you know coming out of nowhere. The, of course, the the big story was he hadn't played <laughs> since high school be, because he mm-hmm. uh, you know he's behind. I uh, was it D- Derek King, who's now at Miami. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. And, and and then sort of came out of nowhere and became a really efficient passer. MSU people are going to be you know th- saying look at this and go, hey, Dan Mullen, quarterbacks. You know, we we've seen this before, but he played. Did he play at a higher level than even you were expecting? 
Absolutely. That's that's dead on. And I'm not afraid to admit it because, um, you know, you you would watch him and Felipe, right? That's who yeah. who they had for three, two, two and a half years uh, going against each other. And Felipe's just a lot more athletic. You know, when, when the play breaks down, he gets out of the pocket. He can do these things, do those things. And, and Felipe has the giant arm where he can throw the really deep pass. Um, but Trask is just a better uh, guy in terms of reading uh, the field and, and reading the defense in front of him. Um, and, and we just didn't really see that um, in practices and stuff. And I don't know if the coaches did or what, and they just were enamored with Frank's athletic ability. And, and you know, I, I know that happens. It does. It really happens when coaches get that athletic ability, especially in like a Dan Mullen offense where you really use that um, but you know he's—I say that—and he's not quite the—he's not quite the—you know—the between the tackles guy that you kind of want, like a Tebow or whatever. So, so it's a little different there. But again, he likes that athleticism. Trask isn't that guy, but Trask is a much better guy at reading the field, um, going to a second or third receiver than Franks was, and I think it made it played a big role in his early success. I mean, his story is crazy. Never started in high school. And didn't start until he was a redshirt junior when the starter went down in Game Three um, of of his fourth year in college. That's a good evaluation by somebody to, to get him off of the uh, the video and the highlights of him not even starting games in high school. So so good job there. Who, who's around him that you know? Obviously, Lamichael Perrine is is gone after a long career at, at Florida. Mm-hmm. Who, who are the guys in the backfield with him and out there on on the perimeter that are going to be the playmakers for Florida this year? Yeah, they they still have some playmakers. Now, Damian Pierce, um, probably a bigger home run threat than than uh, P. Ryan was. P. Ryan had a few big long runs. Pierce has had probably just as many um, in two years as, as P. Ryan had in four as far as those really long runs. And that's something that Florida offense hasn't really had for years and years and years. And so, um, you know, Pierce had, got his bell rung. Uh, probably about two-thirds through the season. I can't remember exactly what game it was. Um, so he kind of missed some time, um, and that held him back last year. But I think they're going to be fine at Damian Pearson. Malik Davis was a guy that, um, as a freshman, had five games in a row of 90-plus yards. And, uh, you know, they just thought he was just going to just be a king at the running back position. He got hurt in the Georgia game of his freshman year, um, tore up his knee pretty bad. And just really hasn't been the same, and, and Mullen expects that. They brought in a five-star transfer from Miami and Lorenzo Lingard, who really didn't show much at Miami, so they're, they're still waiting on that. And then at receiver, Travon Grimes is going to be a, a, a combine warrior with the NFL next year. I mean, he's you know 6'4", uh, can really run, really strong, that kind of guy. Then... Um, Kadarius Tony is a little jitterbug. Jacob Copeland is a, a, a star waiting to happen. They've got they've got targets, and then Kyle Pitts, of course, the tight end who was the All SEC tight end last year, kind of came out of nowhere after only catching three passes the year before. Bob, when Dan Mullen was in Starkville, uh, his tenure here, he's obviously has to go down as one of arguably the best uh, overall Mississippi State coach ever. 
Um, when people nitpick his, pick nits, I guess, about his tenure in, at Mississippi State, they'll mm-hmm. say he, he couldn't win the big game. They'll say that his staff did not mm-hmm. recruit as well as they needed to. I guess just what overall is the perception of Dan Mullen in Florida? Yeah, I, I think that second one is the, is the one that if people are going to pick at him, that's it, the recruiting part of it so far. Um, I, I would actually say that hasn't won the big game is, is right as well. I mean, George has been the big game for two years on the schedule, and he hasn't done that. And, um, you know, that's the Georgia's, you know, top five team in the country. So that's, that's, you know, part, that's the big reason for it. Um, he's been right there. You know, they lost to Georgia by seven last year. Um, and by 14, honestly, the year before when, um, things really weren't even that even on the field. But, um, I think the recruiting aspect is a big part of it. I, I think, I do believe, um, you know, because he's taken so uh, much advantage of the transfer portal um, that that it's really kind of, uh, you know, uh, to a certain extent outside of the recruitniks. You know, the recruitniks, they just kill for that stuff, and they're all over him about it. But I think for the most part when you're bringing, you know, he's brought in four or five star, former five-star players uh, to the roster, uh, just via the transfer portal. And his first four takes all were multi-year starters um, and did well on the team. So that part of it has kind of um, evened it out, if you will. Uh, I don't think you can live and die by the transfer portal, though. And I think, um, you know, I just did a uh, story the other day where I compared offensive and defensive recruiting, and the defensive guys are way ahead of the offense, which is pretty surprising with a 10 mullet team. Um, but that's just been the case. The defensive coaches and whoever recruits for the defense in whatever instance have just recruited better on that side of the ball than the offensive guys. Again, these, these are all things that sound very familiar to us, having mm-hmm. you know, covered Dan Mullen through the years. Todd Grantham, we know what he brings defensively. Going to be super aggressive. Mm-hmm. Does he have the personnel to do that again this year? Yeah, he does. And, and like I said, they've been recruiting the, the defensive guys. Um, you know, they got to replace, replace Jonathan Grenard, who was a first-team All-SEC, who replaced the first-team All-SEC in, in Ja'Kai Polite the year before um, at, at that, that buck position. And that's such a big position in this defense. You know, they're looking for Brenton Cox, one of those transfers I talked about from Georgia, uh, to, to be that guy. But they have a handful of guys at his position. Um, they really recruited well at defensive tackle this year. Um, and they have three, three veteran guys uh, that are actually four veteran guys uh, that, are, that are in the two deep. And then they have really good depth there. I think um, linebacker, honestly – They've recruited so well at linebacker that in I think probably in a year or so, it may actually be the most talented linebacker group at Florida in since I've been watching the Gators in, in starting in nineteen eighty five. So they're they're really about to take off at that position and um, you know, they need to have this next recruiting class come in and do that, but they're they're at that position. And then secondary, you know, they signed two highly rated guys this past year and they have um, three or four guys that uh, that played a lot last year. They're, they're going to be fine back there. And the safeties, the safeties have been hit or miss uh, as far as playing well, um, but they have a ton of experience and actually some decent talent. And they're all seniors now. They they need to put it together. But 
Um, I think that defense is going to be rolling. If they can get that buck position to match up anything like Grenard did last year, they'll be in good shape. And then you mentioned all all those seniors. So sort of my last question here. If, 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 if it isn't this year for Florida, if they don't overtake Georgia and get to the SEC championship game, is the program set for you know to do, to make another run next year, or, or is it going? You know, how how far along into in terms of like a five year plan to get to a national title is Florida? Are they in a good position for next year, or are they going to start taking a step back? Yeah, I I I think they're top ten this year. I don't think they're 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 set to make a you know to be number one. I just um, I don't think their overall um, talent does that. Uh, I, you know, I think offensive line has been a uh, – the first year they uh, Hevesy came in and really uh, did well with a bunch of seniors. And um, last year, all, you know, though all those seniors left, and last year they really struggled. I shouldn't say it really struggled. After I went back and looked at the numbers, they but they struggled more at running the ball last year than they did the previous year. Um, this year, now he's back to like four seniors again on the offensive line and guys with a lot of experience all of a sudden again. So I think that'll be good. Uh, you know, so next year it'll kind of drop off again. Um, but um, I. <laughs> Yeah, looking at it, I really like the linebacker use. I like the the, the secondary. They just they're about as deep in the secondary now, even with young guys, than they have been. Um, they brought in a bunch of they brought in three big time D tackles, um, which is such a hard position to recruit at Florida for some reason for a long time. Um, I, you know, I think defensively they're set. I think running back is is a position they really need Lingard to do well. Although there's no seniors in that group. Um, and then they really like Emory, Emory Jones at, at quarterback. So I don't know if this year or next year they're ready to take that step to be number one. But I can see next year um, they're in a place with the depth that they have to to you know still be a top ten team. Going to be exciting to watch the SEC East this year. You know, you got Georgia and Florida on top, Kentucky and 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 Tennessee like they're trying to move themselves up. Mm-hmm. And then you know a lot of interest with South Carolina. What's going to happen there and Missouri with a new coach? So should be fun to watch. Bob Redman from over at twenty four seven. Is it Gatorbait.com over there? No, it used to be. It's now Swamp two four seven. Swamp two four seven. So com. yeah, yep. always always keep up with Bob if you want to learn anything about the Gators. Thanks so much for joining me tonight. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks to Bob for his time. We really, really appreciate a good preview there of the Gators. Oh, yeah, it's time yeah. once again. I'll tell you what, guys, we're going to have a 50% chance in every game we play. Every game we play, either we're going to win or we're, we're going to lose. There's only one way around that. So, All right, here we go. No timeouts. Here we go. Uh, let's look at this Florida schedule. As you might can guess, it's, it's not the most difficult schedule in terms of non-conference uh, this season. They, I think they, they're picking up some games like that here and there, but not much. Uh Eastern Washington is their kickoff game. W. W. Uh, the Gators host Kentucky in week two. Kentucky won the last time they were there. They right? did. This is that's an interesting. <laughs> that's a game. That's that's a really early sort of uh, uh, gauge, right, for yeah. both teams. Now Florida should handle them, but if they don't, you know, we'll see. I think Florida will win. Uh, I'm, I'm picking Florida. All right. Then they get South Alabama. Three zero. And then. Uh, their first two conference games are like really big, because then week four they they go up to Tennessee. Ooh, 
I still like Florida there. I actually like I like Florida better there than I would against Kentucky. So this is the game though for me that you know Tennessee wants to be you know Tennessee's already going to have played Oklahoma, so they're going to have two losses at this point yeah. if if they lose this game. So, but yeah, I'll take the Gators to win. So I got the Gators at four and zero. That's just, just Joel. South Carolina comes down to uh, Gainesville five and zero five and zero. Then LSU comes to Gainesville. I like Florida here after what LSU – just because I, I, there's so many unknowns with LSU right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go I'm gonna go with Dan. Yeah, I can't see how right on today and on Ju- July 1st as we're sitting here, I can pick LSU. Now, yeah, if, when if, we get there – If Miles Brennan's throwing the football all over the field and, and it's and Joe Burrow part two, yeah. then, then I change I'll my change, mind. I'll change my mind on, on but, that but week. But today i got to go Florida. I really wish the game that there, I wish that game was the next week, and the game that's fixing to come up yeah. was this week because that state's bye week. I would go, yeah, because the triumphant return. Dan Mullen travels to Oxford on October seventeenth, Florida versus Ole Miss. <sighs> oh yeah, last time I was here, wasn't that great? No, I'll take it back. Last time he was there, it was great. They won fifty-five to twenty. Ah, oh, last time I was here, yeah, about the same. About the same. UT still, Chattanooga. Still beating them. Beating them, beating them every time I see them. <laughs> I don't know if UT Chattanooga. That's not even right. That wasn't even. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. It rolled off the tongue so good. Of Mullen's top five coaching moments in Mississippi State, that's in there. Yeah. That's in there. And the, and the answer to the question was wrong. It's true. It doesn't matter. Because they were talking about Fitzgerald, right? Yes. And they said UT Chattanooga. Yeah, it doesn't matter. not right. That and uh, the taking the mic at uh, the Egg Bowl in, uh, in 2009. Yeah. Those are both on the list of great Mullen moments. <laughs> Uh, Maybe it's because I'm in the media. Mm-hmm. I hold no resentment. All that. I mean, Dan. I, I, he he was a football coach. I was amazed they got nine years out of him. Yeah, I thought he'd leave yeah. after 2010. Like I really think in ten years, Dan Mullen walks out on the center of the field at Davis Way Stadium for some kind of reunion he should. or something. He like, should. He not gets, ten years. Well, ten, Just fifteen, to be coaching, twenty. He's still young. Yeah, yeah. that's true. If you told me in 2000... If there's ever like a 2014 team reunion in the 2034, one, yeah. then yeah, maybe so. He could come back for that. For sure. And just get... He should. He should. Yeah. So anyway, That said, I could, see, and oh. I could see him like really, if he if he gets the opportunity, really putting it to Ole Miss in this one. Yeah. Ah, I finally got revenge for that 2017 game. Are we confident about Florida offensively? You know, we, we, we sort of talked about it there. They got some pieces to replace. They got yeah. a, they got good receivers. They got to, they just got to find a, a running back that they like. Yeah. And, and Mullen He's, with running Mullen, backs. Yeah. You know, I'm not worried. He'll yeah. figure it out. They'll, they'll be good enough. Yeah. Uh, then they get the bye week, and then this is the season. They, they on Halloween, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. They're not there yet. I don't know that they'll ever get there. To be totally honest, I. I Mullen cannot beat these teams that are just better than him. Well, we talked about it with with Bob. Yeah, like Dan's gonna have to win the big one before I'll pick him to win the big one. That's yeah, that's that's very fair. And and so yeah, sitting here today, I, I'll go Georgia. Uh, at Vanderbilt, that's a win for the Gators. Missouri comes to town, that's a win for the Gators. New Mexico State in Week Twelve, that's a win for the Gators. Could Florida State, the game is in Tallahassee, pull a freeze 2012 here and make that the season? Like, we're going to beat them and find a way to win that game. Mike Norvell, good coach. Yeah. As we sit here today, I don't feel... I don't see that happening, but that would not surprise me. If they come in there overconfident and just get get smacked. 
that you know that that crowd, especially if Florida State is like five and six, yeah, or six and five, they'll be out for blood. Oh yeah. So and so I mean I say that crowd, but we'll see. Right yeah, now I think the Gators. The Gators eleven and one, and they don't make the SEC championship game. Georgia plays Bama during. They the do, but that's not right, the only so game that, they're going to lose, probably. Yeah, I, they would did, need Georgia to lose again. Yeah. So there you go. Of course, like, could Auburn, you know, beat beat Georgia? No. And then, I mean, I don't think it's so funny either. you ask because no, I don't think so either. But I'm saying they could slip. I guess what I'm saying is Georgia could beat Florida, and Florida could still get into the SEC. They could, but they need Georgia to slip up somewhere other yes. than Alabama. Yes. And if a Georgia beats Alabama, then there's yeah, it's over. So, but that's not, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, so yeah, eleven and one, they'd be a top. What if they're eleven and one and Bama's undefeated and Georgia's? So here's 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 your your dream scenario if you're Greg Sankey. Yeah, is Georgia eleven and one, Florida eleven and one, Alabama twelve and zero? Go to the SEC championship game. Georgia beats Alabama. They all get in. They would all get in. Against you know, and then have com- Clemson. I mean, Clemson I agree there. with you yeah. that they should, but I don't think that committee puts three SEC teams. In. How could you not? You're like Florida just lost the only lost one game. It to, depends. Uh, they, on- lost, they lost at a neutral site to the number one. To Georgia will be the number one team in the nation. It depends on what happens I guess around. Yeah, if, if I mean, Ohio if a, State if is undefeated a, and Clemson's undefeated, then yeah. you can't do it. But it would be tight. I'll be honest with you. At that point, if you've got a if, if you've got eleven and one. If you got twelve and one Georgia, eleven and one, or twelve and one Alabama, and eleven and one Florida, Alabama might be the odd team out there. Could be because they just lost. In they the would have just game. lost, yeah. yeah. And, and Florida could be like, "Hey, we lost. We both lost to Georgia at a at a." Uh, but I guess Alabama would have a win over Georgia too. I don't know. But it'd be interesting. If you're if you're rooting for chaos and a, a that's what you a want to pa- root for a path to an eight or twelve team playoff that's or something, a good thing to root that, for yeah then. root hit, for that yeah which so. we I think we talked about this on the show a week or so ago but we we still haven't seen just total chaos and argument over the four no for teams. the most part you it's would been, have it in that scenario you, you've only had it for like the last team you haven't had it to like who are the four teams yeah so we'll see so eleven and one for the Gators I like it all right who we're back to the West. We've done Alabama, LSU. No, we haven't done Alabama. We've done LSU, Arkansas. That's it. So you have you have Auburn, Auburn, or Texas A and M. I want to do Auburn. Auburn next week. All right, that'll be our SEC preview. They uh, they one. intrigue me. Yeah, so we'll have that, and then our opponent preview next week will be Missouri. Who I don't believe we ever do an interview for on this show, so that'll be fun. All right. Uh, tomorrow's show is a deep dive. We're back into that. 1999 football. We've lined up Ashley Cooper and Wayne Madkin to talk with us. So that should be really good insights into one of the most special seasons into MSU in MSU history. So it should be a lot of fun. Guys, have a great uh, Thursday. Back with you on Friday morning. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo! I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.